0: This is
1: a Wild Production
0: Podcast. Welcome to the D&D World. Meet you by the art room door. In a circle on the hallway floor. I made up a new map last night. It's got a dragon and a wizard fight. So I've been working on my uh, X2 game for the community game. But man, I haven't run a module in a really long time. I really love the absence of detail. Just the little bits that you have to fill in. I'm, I'm like just embellishing every single different like uh,
2: encounter box. And it's just super great. That's what I want from a module. I want the module to give me the boring stuff so I can do the fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like I, I super enjoy having to make it your own.
1: That's the whole, you know, my, my perspective, always, been. that's the whole point behind a module. Just make, make life for the DM easier.
2: Right, exactly.
1: You know the, the whole concept to me was you buy this module, you read it, and then you go through and with a legal pad and just start going at it. And, um, <laughs> That's basically
0: what I'm doing. I was going to do it uh, literally on a pad of paper, but uh, yeah. I'm actually doing it because it's a, it's a PDF version. But yeah, I, I even wrote down all of the Amber family members on <laughs> a notepad, like a you know not like a three ring binder, a pad of paper. So. This isn't uh, the module. Po- oh, I guess it kind of is, though. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> it is sometimes the module podcast. But right now, this is the Savored Eye podcast, a podcast about classical Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Crispy, a Magan Demos, who has been uh, set up in a boxing ring and will uh, act as a prize fighter
2: in the first encounter. <laughs> I am uh, another one of your hosts carl and today i am a level one cleric and i don't even have a healing spell
3: oh so sad i am <laughs> courtney i am a level four wizard with all my spells
2: <laughs> and joining us today is bill barsh
1: uh yeah bill Barsh, level one thief who can't do anything particularly well <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can climb sheer surfaces yeah you can climb real good <laughs> let's get credit where credit is due <laughs> All right, and today on the show, we're going to be doing a kind of a a more laid-back, almost interview-like format, Uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, is it BX Remastered? Yes, yeah,
1: BX Remastered. It's uh, Actually, my son came out with that title. It's actually, I think, pretty good.
0: All right, which is a a Kickstarter that's going on through Paysetter Games right now, uh, which is a remaster of the Basic Expert Rules. And as I understand it, you add a little bit more to it. and then also you're uh, you're cleaning it up. You're you're kind of giving it, you know, um, a more modern treatment, and still staying true, not doing a retro clone.
1: People have gone back and forth, you know, on Facebook when we post up there. Well, yeah, you are doing a retro clone, or yeah, you're not. You know, I, in, in my my definition of a retro clone is kind of a complete rewrite of the rules, but keeping it uh, the same game, generally speaking. I guess *Labyrinth Lord*, you know, is a, to me is a great example of a retro clone for. Uh, the old basic D D game. We're we're really not doing that. We're trying to we're trying to basically create books that mirror the original BX, except we're putting them in a player's guide and DM's guide format. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that said, we are adding material to it. It's it's been almost forty years since those books came out. You know, we've got whole new generations of players that did not play it back forty years ago. So. You know, we want I'm one to of those people, people that, will, that will attract them, you know, the to play the game uh, in the future. So so we're adding some character classes. Um, still, classes race. I mean, race is class. So we're still keeping that the same. Um, we're just, you know, trying to add it up uh, a few things to give it some new life. But yet we really, really want to keep the simplicity and elegance of BX.
2: That sounds
0: awesome. For me, like I actually agree with you on the retro clone thing. I do want to touch on that. Um, like BX Essentials is kind of similar to what you guys are doing, um, where it's it's just the BX rules.
1: And it's funny thing. And, and again, I don't want to get off on the tangent. You know,
0: it, when we came up with this idea,
1: we were actually going to do it. Um, you know, we run a lot of events, and conventions, and tournaments, and that kind of thing. We, we we have a lot of BX modules from way back in the day that we put out. So our idea in doing this was, you know, we, we noticed people either can't get the old books or they're just falling apart. So we said, you know, let's just kind of redo them. And we weren't even going to do this as a Kickstarter. This wasn't, this wasn't our plan at all. Um, (laughs) We were just going to just print some books up, bring the conventions, pass them out here and there. It, It wasn't our intention, but what happened is we do, we have a Kickstarter schedule for the year the one we wanted to do isn't where we want it to be. It just wasn't ready, and we're like, "Well, we need to, you know, to keep our schedule consistent, we need to put something out." Hey, we got these BX books. Everything's done. I mean, they're ninety percent done. Um, we got a little bit more layout to do, and cleaning them up, and you know, we got a couple stretch goals to add character classes, that kind of thing. But they're done, and we're like, "You know what? The heck! Let's just throw this up and see what happens." And we are, we are so excited that there was so much excitement about these, and honestly. I know a lot of... I've been in the OSR world a long time. I I am aware of a lot of OSR rules, uh, games, products. To be honest with you, I had never heard of BX Essentials. And I almost... Knowing now that they're out there and they're doing what they're doing, I'm not so sure we would have done this, gone down this road, but we did.
0: I Um, think they're still fairly similar. um, Just because BX Essentials, they're not really like Gavin Norman is not adding anything to BX uh, with the core book line, whereas you guys are wanting to expand a little bit on the rules. And I actually do have some questions about that, because I saw um, some of the stuff with your stretch goals for what's being added. Um, but can you give us a little bit of detail, uh, a sort of like, you know, what is being added, what people can look forward to?
1: So what's, you know, what's new with, with BX Remastered? So we did add a bunch of character classes, which I know... You know, in this internet world, there are new classes anyway, but they weren't in that basic and expert set. So we we added new classes that aren't necessarily new. I mean, we put a paladin and a ranger. Uh, we added a half elf, a gnome. Um, we just did a stretch goal for a monk, and we, that hit. So he's in. Um, I think we just put the update on that today, kind of a sample page.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so about today.
2: Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about one of those classes, whichever one you prefer? Just like your approach to that class. I have a specific one I want to ask about. <laughs>
1: I wasn't going to put him
0: on a spot for a specific one, but go ahead. Oh, go for it. You mentioned gnome, so <laughs> I don't know if you listen to the show. I have a very intense <laughs> hatred of gnomes. But are you doing gnomes' races, class?
1: They're yeah, they're a ra- they're just a race and race class. So the gnome basically is is uh, he's basically a fighter illusionist. Okay. So, yeah. That's what uh, I would have done. Say, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I would
2: have done. I was well, hoping to build... say it
0: would be a, a race as class class, and that like I, I really like where this is going.
1: Yeah, he's he's the elf of, of the short world, so <laughs> um, he, you know a little bit of a fighter. Uh, he's not going to fight as good as a as, a, as a, necessarily an elf or a fighter will, um, but he can. He's going to be better than you know for a thief, for example. Um, huh. But he's going to have a basically an illusion of spells also. So we kind of wanted to give uh, make a gnome. Uh, you know, a little bit more mystical, a little bit, you know, probably a lesser played class when it comes down to it, but you know, that should be for a reason. They should be more rare as player characters and just give them a little bit oddball um, spells. Um, So it's not going to be a a case where it's, uh, you know, he's got just Phantasmal Force C, the magic user version of Phantasmal Force. Well, we've actually made um, some adjustments for all those kind of like spells. We did actually for all the, all the, spellcasters by the way like a cleric's light spell is a little bit different than a magic user light spell so um so basically there's your gnome is uh you know fighter illusionist you can fight pretty well uh and cast these really cool illusion spells which gives us an opportunity to create because there are a lot of those kind of spells in the back game to begin with so spells is a big part of this The uh, our, our mm-hmm. player game. we added spells for all the classes not just the ones to,
2: to pull off of that question a little bit how did you handle that for elves so we we
1: really didn't mess with the elves very much at all they're pretty much going to be the, exactly where they are in, in bx now so um he they their spell list is actually the complete is exactly the same as magic user spell
2: list got um, it.
1: one hmm. of me did not mess with so
2: no that i understand the reasoning behind that you know if you're if you're porting over from your uh, existent uh, campaign in a basic setting—that is what the elf is. So, yeah, I completely uh, understand why you would do that.
1: Part of the idea, or the whole idea behind this thing, and again, we we didn't realize somebody else had kind of already done this in a way. Um, was we really wanted to have two books? So we want to be able to have the players have a book on the table for all their stuff, and the DM have his book. And you know, if you want multiple players' guides, you get multiple players' guides later out there instead of sorting through two different books to try and find a rule—you know, here, there, or whatever. So that was kind of the, the whole premise behind that. and we wanted to make sure that if you had your expert set rules um, on the table, it works with our books and vice versa. Hmm. So Elf is still the Elf. I mean, he's—we haven't really changed anything. We might have—you know—you're you're putting me on the spot because I can't remember all these things in detail. We did adjust, maybe all the races might have another ability or two, like smaller or lesser things that may not have been included originally um just small
0: tweaks but nothing nothing huge
1: but yeah the elf is going to cast spells just like a magic user and he uses the same spell list
0: are you guys keeping the 14 level cap or are you expanding
1: we expanded it a little bit some of the some of the classes go all the way to 18th but they all don't i think a dwarf is still i think we keep him down at 14 15 or 16 um off the top of my head um mm. same with the halfling he's not he's not going to go as high we kind of you know there's that old, uh, you're going to see some AD&D overturn, over, or overtures in some of our stuff. And it's because my huge background is first edition AD&D. So mm-hmm. you're going to do a little bit of that kind of drift in here uh, where the humans can generally go to higher level than most of the other races. But not always. That, that's not always the case. Well,
2: that's the way it is in BX as well. BX right. the humans do.
1: Yeah. The humans yeah. can go a little higher, but we basically capped everything at 18.
2: Um, and
0: it's it's sort of my understanding with first edition um the way i view it is a lot of the archetypes that are presented in classic D, especially bx and and beck me are sort of like the they really emulate what first edition does with its multi-classing so you know if you your fighter magic user elf you have your you know fighter thief halflings i don't think it's that bleed over it sort of seems like a natural extension
1: with D&D as a whole, my, my whole perspective, this game always tends to break down at higher levels anyway, so we didn't want to get too crazy with it.
0: Um, yeah, that's it, you know, every, you know, edition every edition
1: of D&D. You know, characters get to a certain level, the whole game starts breaking down, and, starts, and things start getting really wonky. There can be a lot of fun involved there, but it's it's not it's not traditionally where I like to go. So. Mm we we kind of still capped them out at, at like i said it, it it's generally between 15th and 18th everyone can float around there somewhere um which to me is plenty high to go um and you know what you can always extrapolate it higher that the tables are pretty simple uh most of these classes and races are just basically double in experience or whatever it is their formula is the same once they hit like ninth tenth eleventh level, level. Mm-hmm. um you know, they need 200,000 per level to go up a level and it pretty much stays the same all the way up. So, people want to yeah, run that's... It, they can certainly do it. And, and we wanted to keep all options on the table, but we also have to cap everything somewhere.
0: For the fighter, because I know you mentioned that some classes get extra abilities, does the fighter get uh, multiple attacks at those higher levels?
1: Yes, and there's a couple other things we're doing with him too that I, I, I don't want to give away yet. Um, I kind of... Mm. Things we do we definitely want to leave as a surprise when people get the book. Um, you know, the fighter is and will always be the core character in any D&D game. Um, sometimes they can be a little bland, right? So um, we wanted to jazz him up a little bit, but without affecting anything, especially at the lower levels. But yes, he will get multiple attacks at higher levels. And uh, we got a couple of little tweaks in there for, uh, like I said, uh, that they can do it at higher levels also. And everything we do we make sure we explain in these books is optional. If it doesn't show up in BX, you don't have to use it. uh, Even if we have it in here, it's like an optional ability. Um, I think people will like it. And again, I, you know, the, the game has changed in 40 years. We want to, we, we, as much as we're, you know, I'm an old school guy. I've, I've been playing since 1977. So, you know, I, I know what the game was like way back in and, and I have that connection to it but I also realize that it's 2019 and we've got people playing d for the first time ever in the last couple of years because of the explosion of 5th edition. We shouldn't not want those people to migrate into games like BX because it's got such an old feeling they might be, um, you know, they might be daunted by saying, well, you know, like that game's just it's too old it's too straightforward you know we want to give a little bit of that flexibility in bx and make it uh you know a lack of a better term a little more sexy than it used to be
2: <laughs> today today well and, and they just may not be able to even find it or realize it existed.
0: I got my copies of the original BX books that I didn't have to print out myself as a gift from Carl. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they
2: can't find them because I have all of them. <laughs> I, bought, I bought all the eBay copies. You know, there's no more. Uh, so anyway, I just want to do a call out uh, from what you're saying. Lao Lu, are you listening? This this is what you're looking for. He emailed us about fighters uh, uh, in a uh, uh, BX and about uh, missing some of these additional options you're talking about. So that sounds like that's going to be really for him if he's listening.
1: We pretty, <laughs> yeah, we pretty much did that for for every every class. Um, we gave him a little more options and a little more stuff without getting into you know this isn't second edition AD and D we're talking about this we did we're not we're not there, but. Uh, <laughs> A few more elements to the game that that most people, a lot of people, play with it anyway. Honestly, so um, just giving people the option to do so.
3: So, yeah. talking about new and different options, dwarves yep. are my favorite. Is there anything new and different <laughs> that I can look forward to for my BFFs, the dwarves?
1: We, you know <laughs> what, we did, and you're going to have to. I'll get back to you on that one because I'll have remember what we did with him but we did do something um I, I, right now my my head is in monk world because i've spent the last two days on <laughs> this monk. I, I feel that because we're just like
0: bill give us the secrets
3: bill, <laughs> tell us everything
1: yeah no we we did do some stuff with dwarves it was uh, again it's a lot same kind of a lot of the same lines with the fighters so um I'm, i oh
2: I'm that makes sense there. yeah
1: we did something with a multiple attack with him at higher levels also hmm. uh, we tried to do something for everybody you know, without getting carried away. Um, You know, although I, you know, one of the new characters we created was a Necromancer class, and uh, we probably got carried away with that thing, but it is what it is.
0: Well, there's not really a good Necromancer type character in in BX, or I guess even really old school D&D.
1: You know, the trick with him was that, you know, a Necromancer, you think Necromancer, and you just think villain off the top of your head, right? So we wanted to make this Necromancer an actual player character who was a good guy. So we have to tailor that necromancer thing and walk that line where uh, you can have a cleric and a necromancer in the same party and get along.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have one more question. Yeah, saving this one because it's the mm-hmm. most aggressive question and I want to apologize in advance. <laughs> I don't mean this as any kind of offense. But, uh, so Bill, why would I choose this over, say, Labyrinth Lord Advanced?
1: Okay, so you wouldn't. Um, and, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Again, when, when we launched this Kickstarter, we were not out here to change hearts and minds. That, that, that was not what we're looking to do. We weren't looking to create a game system uh, to replace everybody else's game system already using. This honestly was a, was a project designed to augment. If you're already playing BX, you should keep playing BX. But here are some books that are going to let you do it uh, easier. Okay, um, Your players are going to have a comprehensive guide. Everything is in that book for the player. His designing his character, all his uh, uh, stat charts. We made try to make the charts easier to use. All the spells are in that book. You don't have to go through different books. So we're not, um, you know, again, we don't want to create a new game for people to play. That really wasn't the intent of this. The intent was if you're playing BX now, here's something to make your game better. Okay. Um, so we don't want you to, to stop playing Labyrinth Forward to, to play quote unquote paysetters BX because honestly it's not paysetters BX. This is still um the BX you played like I said, people played 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So um now can you play it without the old rule books? Of course you can. Um, and that option is there. But we really didn't want this to be a, a new game system unto itself um and step on anybody else's toes. Like I said, I've been around Neosar a long time. The last thing I ever want to do is 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 do something like that. Um, yeah, and it's it's not our intent, um, without sounding defensive either. But you know, on the other hand, you should buy it because it's going to be really cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, even just the way you're putting it, like that, that kind of reframes it for me because you know I, I've got the whole set of BX essentials. I've got three copies right. of BX, but you know having one player book would even or you know three or four copies would be nice to have at my table so right. they can just have them as reference guides that's and we did
1: that as pledge levels too cuz we kind of thought that way a little bit when we did it is you know we we have a i think there's one pledge level um i don't know it's about a 100 bucks but basically you get like six or seven books the dm gets a book and he gets like five or six copies of the player's handbook like pass out to all take home with
0: them yeah the the um, cleric level i'm looking at that right now <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah there you go and um you know the you know the other thing we did too it's not just real books we're we we've been producing uh adventure supplements and modules for what 11 years now i mean right now you're gonna get you get a box which is sweet and then it's got obviously the player's guide game guide and right now it's got three full print modules in it
0: on top of all that See on the kickstarter i'm actually this was my next talking point i wanted to get off of to get like the big question i had and then i wanted to jump into this because i see the haunted tower and then grave of the green flame but i don't see the third so three whole modules are coming is that uh these are stretch goals right they they were but we already met them so all three of those print modules come in
1: the box set and wow that's a great deal it is a great deal and. Look, like I said, when we launched this Kickstarter, this Kickstarter was let's have some fun with this and see where it goes, and get something out there for people. This this was never intended to be one of these hundred thousand dollar Kickstarters, and it won't be, obviously. But for us, it's not about the money; it's for it's actually it's, it's actually backers. We we want to get stuff to as many people as we can, and that's why I tried to set you know some pretty I think I think reasonable uh, basic pledge levels. I mean, you get the PDFs for fifteen bucks. It gives you two books and a in a module for fifteen bucks in, in PDF form. I mean. I don't think you get it much, much cheaper than that. Um, so, I mean, it, it it did well and it, it will, it, it's, it's continuing to do well. And uh, we're really happy about it. And the nice thing about it, like I said, this thing is done. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to get, get it done because we want to get it in people's hands. And uh, the cool thing about this project is it's going to be in people's hands like lightning.
0: Um any plans for this once it's all funded to uh, be sold at retail? It will be,
1: yeah. We um we definitely will have it in um well the box set will be available and then the two in the the player's guide and DNS guide will be available individually. They'll be available, but yeah, it, as far as aftermarket. In fact, we're planning on having these in orth.
0: So Oh wow. Yeah. Oh that's fast. That is that is a big turn. That's like a super quick turnaround
1: and I wouldn't I wouldn't even think about saying that publicly if I knew we couldn't get it done.
0: And I hope we get it done because he's, like I said these
1: books essentially are done. That's where we're at with it. We did not want to overpromise and deliver. That's that's not going to
3: happen here. So Bill, I have a, a non-aggressive question since Chris asking all the <laughs> aggressive questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um can you can you talk about the artwork a little bit?
1: Sure. Um so uh we've we've got a couple of uh, artists that we're using um uh, one is, well, one, two, three artists we're using. So well, a couple of them we've been using for years. Um, his name's is Mecca Stanzo. He's done a ton of work for us. He's done some covers for us. And nobody's going to know him because the only person he illustrates for is us. And, uh, but he's done, he does a lot of cool interior stuff, uh, a lot of our black and whites. He doesn't do a lot of color for us, but he, he, he does a cover from time to time. Um, so I, I like his, star, his style. It's, it's, it's definitely old school. Um, he captures it pretty cool. I think, uh, he's pretty unique. Um, so he's, he did, the characters are kind of split between him and another one of artists, Al cook. Um, again, who's a guy who, I don't know if he's ever done anything for anybody else but us, but we've, we've been using both these guys for I don't know, 70 years now. Um, so they've been with us and we're comfortable and they know what we're looking for. And you're going to get a lot of art in these books. Um, which you know everybody likes art and then uh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Lloyd Metcalf his daughter Raven is also an illustrator and we used her she actually did the covers for both uh, the books and
2: um, so is the interior black and white
1: yes yes this is uh this is not a a modern color book. It is definitely, it covers our four
2: color and interiors all black and white. That is so strongly my preference. I, I can't even yeah. you how excited I am to hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm really happy that it's going to be, I just, I hate glossy paper. It's so hard to read.
2: So I have a question that is, uh, it's not a, a big deal to me, but I know it's a big deal to a lot of people. Is this ascending or descending armor class? <laughs>
1: Oh no, this is old school. This is descending armor class. So you got armor class ten, armor class nine, you're gonna get nailed. You got armor class two, it's a lot harder. No, we uh we did not take the swords and woods degree route on this. So we, we, we kept and and there's nothing wrong with that. I love swords okay. swords, but we didn't want to go that way. No. Yeah, it's I, a non-issue I,
2: for like, me, but I know a lot of people uh draw lines in the sand over that one. They
1: do. They do, and that is one of the that is one of the modern mechanics kept out of.
0: I mean, I like Descending Armor Class. It's just none of my friends, I guess, know how to subtract <laughs> so or look at a matrix on their sheet. So I don't know.
2: This has been really revelating to me because I was, uh, I mean, admittedly, uh, and uh, you know, you're know, you right here, so this is a little awkward to say, but I was pretty lukewarm to the idea. I mean, I thought I was going to check it out um, at some point, but I was like, I, I don't have to back this.
0: Yeah. I was also super lukewarm. I was like, eh. But now that you're you're telling
2: me this stuff, I was like, "Yeah, I could yeah I this this bucks. is sounds way set. way more up my alley <laughs> than I thought it was going to be." I'm very yeah, excited same. to Take a look.
1: And, yeah, and a lot of that is, is on us because honestly, when we launched this, we were we were well, my my son Ben, who's actually running most of this. I'm I'm kind of on the the back end of this. Um, he he's kind of handling the whole thing. He's actually down. In, I'm in Michigan. He's down in Florida. He's uh doing the disney college program right now but uh
0: oh that's a great internship oh it's it's i have friends who did that in college yeah
1: yeah he's he's absolutely loving it but it's cool because it gives him also lots of time to to do stuff like this well the the issue was was gary con was creeping up on us and uh this this launch window that we had was right before gary con so you know i'm trying to get ready to mobilize to go there and he's got to fly up so when we launched this thing, we probably did not do the best job in the world of describing exactly what this thing was and what we were trying to do. So we've tried to do that through up, updates and FAQs and that kind of thing uh, because admittedly, we the, the, it may not have been as clear as uh, as we intended, certainly. And I've, I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on here and do that because I I think you certainly have. I mean, you brought stuff out that I didn't even think of.
2: Uh, there are twelve days to go on the Kickstarter. We will link to the Kickstarter in the show notes, and that's at time of recording. I'll uh, try to edit this and get the turnaround as quick as possible, uh, and get it out there for our listeners.
1: It's it's all good. Like I said, I, I appreciate you having me on here. We got a chance to talk about it because, if again for me, it's whether whether anyone backs this or not. Try BX if you haven't played it in a while.
0: It's just absolutely. <laughs>
1: The, the TSR modules you're talking about, you know, X2 Castle Amber, you know, the, the, the whole B series, not the whole B series, most of the B series and a lot of the X series, those are amazing old TSR modules. And if you never got a chance to play them, I mean, get your hands on some of them. I mean, I, I tell people till I'm blue in the face, if you've never played X4 and X5, you need to get your hands on those modules. They're just awesome. Forget the fact that they're basic expert. They are the, Those two modules, are, in my opinion, are two of the most well-designed modules ever written as far as playability. And that's what you get with BX. And, uh, you know, that was the inspiration behind doing this whole project. So whether you back us or not, you know, the great, but get out there and, 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 and play BX. And, you know, if it's somebody else's version
2: of BX, do that too. Cause it's all good. You're tugging on my geek heartstrings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like, you know, the goal of making BX seem a little sexier so that more <laughs> modern people will come play it. Like I totally get behind that. It's, it's real hard for me to find people in person. Uh, we, and again,
1: you know. yeah. and again, that comes a lot from like, except for my son, Ben, who's, uh, he's 20, he's about to be 21, but you know, he's that age gamer, right? I mean, he's, he fits that demographic. So that's kind of why, uh, like I said, a lot of this project is his, his, his massaging and his, um, kind of putting it together and, and, and saying, here's where it needs to go and him kind of running it. Um, because it gives that he's got that perspective
0: so yeah well, i was actually familiar with ben before this because i think he and i are in a couple uh of the same facebook groups and okay. then also i've seen um just trolling for you know bx related uh stuff on youtube uh yeah. i've i've found some videos that he's done
1: yeah he's uh he does a lot of stuff on youtube in fact he does uh he um he does a lot of Disney stuff with YouTube, but he's he a lot of D and D stuff on YouTube. Like bringing people into five E is one mm-hmm. of his, big, um, and he does also, he is like,
0: uh, for frog God games. He's there. Basically he's there. He's their internet guru. So he does there. I think that might've been what it was maybe for something with swords and wizardry. Yes, he does. He does all the frog God game stuff. So like, uh, at
1: Gary Con recently, uh, Bill Webb ran an adventure, and Joe Mangiello was playing in it, and you know I did a couple other celebrities and that kind of thing. So uh, you know Ben was the videographer and interviewer, and he did all that kind of stuff for uh, uh, for that. So that oh, that's, that's kind really of really
0: cool.
2: I'll have yeah. to look that up. Yeah, we can yeah, leave I, those in the show notes as well. His uh, I'm, base I'm a big fan of Joe Mania. <laughs> oh, Joe, yeah, Joe Mania is nuts. And then
1: the, the critical role guys were the two, and uh, you know I'm drawing a blank right. Oh Mercer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt he was he was, the was funny thing was he was actually walking through the dealer's hall and uh, he came over to our vent he was walking by our vendor space and there's people just following this guy I mean yeah uh, he's he, you know the the cult following of this guy is amazing and it's very cool because again he brings so many more people into the game he's he's just a great ambassador for it well the way our the way our booth kind of laid out is uh, you can walk right in okay so he kind of slipped in and he got stuck in there signing autographs for about an hour wow. uh, yeah and it, 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 it wouldn't end and they kept apologizing and I'm like no go, you stay here as long as you want you are, you guys are just fantastic ambassadors to the game you know you just you sit here and sign autographs I and mean, who we, we won't sell a couple of books because you're here I don't,
0: really don't care but or maybe you'll sell more books because they're there you know <laughs> waiting in line to get an autograph you start yeah. looking at the merchandise sounds
2: like a good time yeah. to be selling small pieces of paper and pen <laughs> <laughs> Carl you you're na- that's Get your autograph materials. <laughs>
1: that's what I should have been thinking, but uh, but it was it was really cool. Like I said, Ben got to, uh, I think he did a little, little interview with him too. I mean, that's his kind of his world too, too, world and all that. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you've seen him on that. But, yeah, they just did some big frog guy thing with uh, with Joe Mangelo playing and all that kind of stuff. And, uh,
2: um, yeah, I, I saw think, that. Uh, that was a cool video.
1: Guys, it was awesome. And, and thanks again. And we will talk soon. And if if not, uh, I'm assuming some of you guys are going to be down to Texas or no?
3: Yes, Carl and I will be.
1: Awesome.
0: I can't, but I'll be in Arkansas for the next convention.
2: (laughs) Uh, Me and Courtney run Arkansas RPG Con, so uh, if you're ever in the area, (laughs) come on. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, bye now.
0: And we just want to thank Bill Barsh again for being on the show and talking about his project. Uh, I think we'll jump back to something we normally do at the beginning of the show and uh, touch up on a little bit of what we've been doing in gaming lately. So I'm going to start with uh, with Courtney. What have you been doing lately?
3: Yes. Um, we played in a game with some friends of ours. It's been an ongoing game, not necessarily a regularly scheduled game because mm-hmm. of life. Um, but the last time we gamed, we were trying to seek out um, an NPC that's been a reoccurring NPC. And her name is Tammy, and Tammy has some special taffy that has special powers. And um, so we were trying to find Tammy with the taffy and, um, <laughs> and go on our next adventure from there. Carl, Mike can elaborate a little bit more if he (laughs) wants on on where that was going since he's the DM of that game. And I have a poor memory.
2: Well, so Tammy had been uh, kidnapped by uh, Ox, the uh, head of the Thieves Guild, who was also allegedly her father, but turned out not to be her father. Um, So they were trying to get Tammy back to her homeland, um, where they found out that she was actually from a, a bordering kingdom called the Barony of Mord. And they stopped on the way at Rich the Lich. Oh, Rich the Lich. Oh, my Lich. God. My favorite. My favorite Rich the Lich.
0: Is this the one with his grandson, yeah, Little, Little Richard? Richard? Little Richard, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Little Richard's fine. Wow. <laughs> That's a callback to, like, the first episode we did together. Not quite, but, yeah, a while ago. Yeah. yeah, it's the same campaign. So they stopped back at Rich the Lich, and he did weird, creepy stuff. And, uh... <laughs> Because he's a lich. He's still a lich, it turns out. He's <laughs> still weird and creepy. Oh. You would think he would get better by now, but I guess not. We had that game, and um, we also... I I have been continuing with uh, my homeschool gaming group that has uh, morphed into an RPG club more than it has a board game hour, which is absolutely fine by me. I have, I've decided to dub them um, the homeschool murder hobos. Because (laughs) these nine-year-old children were sitting there. They had just set off a trap because they were like, we can just set this trap off and not have to worry about it. So they set off a trap. It made a huge noise because it was a falling rock trap. So these uh, creatures were running up from the corner and they could hear the creatures coming, but they didn't know what they were. And so they decided to set a trap and they were arguing with each other because some had spikes and hammers and some had rope. And they were like trip wire or should we shit the spikes on the floor or whatever and this nine-year-old uh, girl this cute little nine-year-old girl said why not both why not trip line them onto the spikes no oh, it's like <laughs> you, you kids are scary <laughs> jesus but that's what they did and it uh, worked a treat it worked like a charm i made some dice <laughs> rolls and i was like yeah they don't see that let's see if they see the other thing no they don't see that oh okay well <laughs>
0: and that's make, the freedom of being in homeschool because <laughs> if you had a gaming club called <laughs> the public school murder hobos those kids <laughs> would be expelled yeah uh as for me uh, one i re i got to a point where i could rejoin into my uh, play by post ODD game so i'm super excited about that yeah it's, it's really slow moving so not a lot has happened <laughs> um we're on a ship we're about to go uh fight the people who we were fighting previously but now I have a weapon so I'm pretty excited about that Um, but I've also been working on uh, some pregens and also flushing out uh, an X2 game that I'm going to run as a community game like Carl did for B2 last month and that's going to be Next Thursday, so this is Thursday, the 21st when we're recording this. This will be Thursday, the 28th at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that's GMT-8 in our Discord channel. Uh, And it's drop-in, drop-out. You can come in. I've got pregens already made for you, so you don't have to worry about bringing a character. We've got a dice-rolling bot, so you don't have to worry about bringing dice. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm having a great time really sussing out and, and really um, sort of fleshing out the uh, the module. So I'm super excited. I ran X2 10 years ago, and I'm really taking my time with it this time to sort of make it my own.
2: Yeah, and I will be playing in that game. Uh, so uh, uh, that will be exciting for... <laughs> me cuz i i've never uh seen crispy dm i'll get to be uh the the terrible judgmental player that i am and measure his dm skill cuz that's unfortunately what i do when i play games so i do you know, the same thing yeah it's it's hard not to once you've peeked behind that curtain it's hard not to just well know, think yeah, about it and from I, that perspective
0: i was like almost exclusively the dm for like 7 years right and uh you know it's 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 my favorite role, so it's hard to kind of break out of that DM mindset. Well, I'm always
2: looking, I mean, I think you can't be a good DM unless you play every once in a while, so I always want to play yeah. every, every uh, you know, opportunity I'll play and uh, uh, you know, pick up ideas, and I learn lots of skills from playing that I go, oh, that's a cool way to do that, that's a good idea, I'll, I'll start uh, thinking of it that way.
3: Crispy, I am not a judgmental player, so I will be able to hopefully jump in, possibly jump out and back in, depending on on life things, uh, that evening for the game. And I won't judge you.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Courtney. I appreciate that. And um, let's close out the show with an email. Uh, and we want to read one of our emails that we've received. And this one is from J.V. West, a uh, longtime solid listener. Uh, so thank you so much for the email, uh, J. V. West. I'm going to read that now. It says, masters, nice change up to the show's cast. Hearty welcome to PC Courtney.
3: Hurrah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> At the beginning of episode 149, DM Crispy said a thing, and it resonated strongly in my D&D soul. It was the bit about having players create four different versions of their characters to represent the various stages of pulp-style adventurers. I love that idea. For me, it touches on a problematic aspect of one of D&D's most basic tropes, the character level. It seems like an interesting idea to run D&D without levels at all. If you were to dismiss levels in your D&D game, how would you do it? Why would you do it? To address the why question for me, it would be to allow a varied group of rotating players in an ongoing game. Without levels, PCs would be closer in power to one another. Perhaps to offset the ditching of levels, you could implement a loosey-goosey system of random perks that you'd acquire after each adventure, or something like that. I think 5e does a decent job of addressing this with the bounded accuracy concept so that a level 3 doesn't feel quite so outclassed by a level 9 companion. What are your thoughts, O makers of the save, oh myrmidons of magic, oh scions of sorcery! Thank you, Jay.
0: <laughs> I definitely agree and that was my problem, so the, the experience points are sort of the problem that that idea runs into, because the game is about getting experience and getting stronger. So if you have this campaign where you have set strength, you know, four sets of determined strength, it sort of just becomes a storytelling game, which I don't think d d is that great at. I feel like it's something you can do with it, but, I, you know, d is sort of like the jack-of-all-trades master of none with a lot of these things that become their own sort of role-playing game um, genre. So my idea would be to keep strength equal, and this is what I I did when I made my pregens was to go here's your character at I would say you know three thousand XP. Here's your character at twenty thousand XP. Here's your character at fifty thousand XP. Here's your character at you know, whatever higher level. So you can kind of get a feel. So, you know, that ends up being like three thousand XP. You've got some level ones and some level twos, maybe a level three, but I don't I don't think so. And then um at the next tier at like twenty thousand, you know, you're you're roughly about level five. And then uh going up and up, you know, so you so would be comparable in power, it, but just you wouldn't to
2: interject be. Crispy, sorry. Uh, and, and just because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm who I am. I'm sorry. 3000 XP, 3, XP, you would have level three thieves and clerics. Okay. Yeah. And, and I thought so, but I started yeah. second guessing myself. No, And that's the point of that, uh, split is, and the reason why I think 3000 is such a good number to do is because it gives you a point where everybody's still pretty far away from their next level. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Uh, it it gives you that that power gradient that you see in classic D&D where you have the cleric and the thief level a little bit faster than everybody else. And your elf is still trilling behind at level one at 3000 XP. So it gives you that idea of like, this is part of the structure of the game. Sorry.
0: Yeah. And then, so, and the way you sort of, uh, between adventures, because you can run multiple adventures, tiers. Right. Just like a pulp adventure. And you would just do the same thing that, that, you know, Fritz Leiber did to Flathard and the Grey Mouser, or that, um... that, uh, Howard did to Conan, where you, you may, on one adventure, get a bunch of money, but by the next adventure, you've either drank it and, like, caroused it all away, or it was stolen from you, mm-hmm. <laughs> by either happenstance or intent. Um, and as for what, uh, what he had suggested, which was giving people a grab bag of abilities. I am really resistant to do that in a BX game. Well, I think he's he's
2: kind of asking a different question than, uh, than how you're going to handle it in, in your, in your different levels of adventuring life game. I think what he's asking is if you didn't like levels, how would you implement the removal of them?
0: Oh, okay. I have a, then sort of still the same answer, but with a different bent. Um, as some people may know if they've listened to the show for a long time or have been involved in the community, uh, at a certain point, you know, I I was like the Pathfinder kid, you know, I love Pathfinder. I was always talking about Pathfinder and how I was finding all those paths. Uh, (laughs) then at a certain point, um, I, uh, hate Pathfinder. I, it's, it's my least favorite version of D and D just 3.5 in general. Um, I got really burnt out on it because it was all I was running. And, uh, yeah it's it's a lot I had like two games going at once it was weekly and it was it was too much uh, and they were getting up to like ninth level there is a variant for um so you can really do this very easily with 3.5. There's a variant rule set called E6, which mm-hmm. is it uh, means uh, ep- either epic six or effective six, where characters level normally till they hit sixth level, and then after that they stop. And then after every like 150,000 or 125,000 experience points, they just get a new feat. So you you know you can have this sixth level character who. Has gained you know a million extra experience points, and now they just have a ton of extra feats and a ton of extra abilities. So that's how I would do that if I was going to throw out levels. I would, I would like probably play an E six three point five or Pathfinder game. Um, yeah, I think you could do the same thing with fifth edition, but I don't know if it works well in the classic D and D scope. That would be my answer to that. I would just do something akin to that
2: so Courtney do you have a response for the question if you were to dismiss levels in your D&D games how would you do it and why would you do it
3: um I guess thinking about it from like a dwarf's point of view (laughs) they would just (laughs) naturally I mean they would get stronger because of and more I guess tank like by their different armor and weapons that they find so they would just naturally level up that way Mm -hmm. um I think where you kind of run into how do I level up without leveling up is with your characters that gain spells you know oh now you have three or now you have four and how do you implement that but maybe it's more so they find a scroll and then they get a new spell or they find a book and then they get a new spell and so it's not necessarily all of a sudden you obtain this many experience points, you can still have your magic users acquire more spells and learn new spells without it being because they obtained a certain number of points.
2: Yeah, and what you were saying about the dwarf too, um, you know, you you get magic armor, you get magic weapons. These things make you more powerful.
3: Right, so they're they're in a sense leveling up that way by Mm -hmm. their different types of armor, their different types
2: of... Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. Equipment is a huge um, magic items, and equipment is a huge power adjuster. For,
0: that like, is a really good idea, or even um, just like letting characters create their own special things. But like, you know, Conan has an Atlantean sword, and it's like the dopest sword. Same with Aragorn; he's got, he's also got an Atlantean sword. It's, it's
3: <laughs> apparently the Atlantean sword is the thing to get. <laughs>
0: Or, you know, like Elric also gets an Atlantean sword.
2: All swords are Atlantean on a long enough time. <laughs>
0: All alive. really cool, like, super sweet, like Luke Skywalker. He's got an <laughs>
2: Atlantean lightsaber. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Here's how I would do it. I, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I mean, I, I think the level system in D&D is, is intrinsic to the game because I think the game of D&D is about becoming this ridiculously powerful person. <laughs> um, you know, it is the hero's journey where you start off uh, uh, on this adventure and it fundamentally changes you. Um, you know, I think that's a big component of the game. If you wanted to remove it, the leveling part without removing that hero's journey. I think Courtney's idea is fantastic where you do it through magic items. I think one thing you could consider is maybe reducing the amount of damage done by some of the bigger creatures and just limiting hit point um, uh, 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 acquisition. The, 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 The big difference between a level nine fighter and a level one fighter is hit points. That's the biggest adjustment you're going to see between those uh, power levels. You know, and hit points is kind of this fundamental weird thing in the game where you're like, I'm not threatened by a goblin with a sword because I have so many hit points, and that doesn't really make sense. A goblin with a sword should still be a dangerous thing. So if you wanted to do that, I would keep all the powers, the same, especially in classic D&D, where the powers really aren't that out there. Um... But just uh, curtail hit points a little bit. And we got another email uh, from Leroy. Uh, thank you so much for the email, Leroy. I'll read that now. It was great listening to you guys role-playing at the end of your show. Would you guys ever take a stab at an O D D example? Something that describes the mechanics, like the man-versus-man combat or chainmail combat. I would even love to hear an example of Holmes combat using the Dexterity Initiative. I would love to know if you have any house rules about having gnomes as a player race in BX. And if you do, what are they? Well, Gnomes. Well, for that last point,
0: I would use Paysetter games, basically expert remaster. Yeah. I think that's the, the best. I
2: think that that's exactly, I mean, that's on, on, I, I've, I've tweaked with this idea a little bit of like kind of adding more classes to BX and I always end up uh, kind of abandoning it, but that's, um, that's what I would do. That's how I would handle gnomes is I'd want them to be illusionist fighters the same way that elves are fighter magic. Now, uh, as far as the first question, the actual play segment will absolutely, uh, uh, be slightly, um, geared towards what we talked about during the episode. Uh, It's going to be the same characters. It's always going to have kind of a BX core to it. But if we were, say, talking heavily about Holmes Basic or if we were going to talk heavily about original Dungeons & Dragons, I would want to pull some of that into the actual play segment because it's always going to kind of hark back to what the core of the show was about before it.
0: And uh, I think that'll be our show for this episode. This episode... 151 like everyone's favorite rum i'm doing that rhyming thing again, i stop that um <laughs> but you know thanks for listening uh you can always find us on our facebook page you can also find us at saverdie.info our website you can also check us out on our uh discord there will be a link to that in the show notes that is also where i'm going to be running this community game so if you want to drop in come play for a couple hours probably going to run from uh six to about eleven my time so good solid five hours so there should be plenty of opportunity i know we've got um i've got quite a bit of response for people who are interested so uh i'm super excited for that um and then you can also add us on twitter and uh we i, th- I think that's all of the places we are
2: yes there is an osr podcast me we group uh, that oh uh, yeah there is some posting on I'm not super active on Miwi but that does exist
0: I I've not been on Miwi in uh months so yep feel yeah. bad about that but like yeah. I guess I should pop in there um yeah so that's our show um again I've been one of your hosts Crispy a uh Megan prize fighting boxer who is uh in the service of a mad french mage
2: <laughs> and i have been another one of your hosts carl and i just made it to level two and i got my one spill i chose light <laughs> chose light
3: <laughs> and i'm your host courtney i am a level four wizard and i just put myself to sleep with my own sleep spell oh, <laughs> <sad>. <laughs>
0: And uh, that'll be our show for this week. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to stay tuned after these messages for our actual play segment.
3: Peace out, Cub Scout.
2: (laughs) Awesome.
0: Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Great! Why not head over to patreon.com slash WGP and support that show for as little as a dollar a month dollar a month goes a long way to helping support the network of all Games Productions. Again, that's patreon.com slash WGP. Thank you.
2: Leothward and Hilda have left Rockholm and they have begun traveling down into the realms of men where there is adventure to be found and they have found themselves in a dungeon the first dungeon that they have experienced together they are in a room a room in which they have just finished a battle they are surrounded by the slain bodies of orcs and goblins the room has a door that heads east and out of the dungeon they have uh, traveled through this dungeon to the other side of the mountain range that it was under. The room is littered with debris, trash, garbage, and some barrels, some containers that have yet to be explored. They are cleaning up after the battle.
3: Can I tell what's in the barrels? Like, by looking at them, do I recognize the barrels?
2: Um, They have markings on them um uh, probably uh common speak i don't know what the mockstara uh, word for it is uh is it a uh, kar <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's karamekan in Mockstar it's karamekan i don't know what it is in Mistar, but in, in Mockstar it's got some karamekan writing on it uh and uh they were at one time pickle barrels but you do not believe there to be pickles in them currently
3: do you think there's any l in these barrels
0: well, you're certainly welcome to look for yourself.
3: So I walk over towards the barrels. Do I smell anything?
2: Yes, there is a rancid smell coming from the barrels. The crates that are further to the corner of the room um, do not have as strong an odor. So there is something in this barrel, uh, that uh, these barrels, that um, does not smell quite right.
3: Whew, man. Do you smell that?
0: Oh, you mean that wasn't you this whole time? I'm going to go over to the uh, the opening to the east. And is it a door or is
2: it a hallway? It is a door. It is a, a door. A large wooden door reinforced and uh, closed. I'm going to listen at the door. Okay. Can you give me a die roll? I got a two. Okay. Um, listening at the door, you hear... From the other side, the sounds of, and, and if you weren't an elf, you probably wouldn't be able to pick on this, uh, but there is clearly water on the other side of this door. Not like standing water. It's not like there's flooding, but you can hear just the sounds of, of a cave with water in it, the different echoes and and the way it fills the room differently. You can tell there's water on the other side of this.
0: I'm going to open the door cautiously i'm gonna get to the other side where the handle is okay and sort of brace myself against the wall and uh like jimmy the handle and swing it open
2: you push the door open and the door swings open uh fairly easily uh it's a pretty heavy door so you have to give it a good push but you're a fairly strong uh warrior uh, poet so um once it is pushed open nothing happens and you're able to kind of look through you see a large chamber and this chamber has a pool of water on the opposite side from the door it's a stone chamber with kind of a purplish hue to the stone there is treasure right near the edge of the water and a long winding staircase that leads to an exit that leads out of the dungeon through the other side of the mountain.
0: Is the staircase going up or down?
2: The staircase is going up and it curves in the middle.
3: And it's across the water?
2: No, it is. it is So the water fills about half of this chamber, um, but it is it is on the side that the dry land is on. So, you would have to walk along the water to get to it, but not across but the not water.
3: But not through the water. And there okay. is a
2: pile of treasure near the water. And within that treasure, you see um, a cloak, a sword, a scroll, and a large gem, and then some coins. And
0: we went through a bit of peril, like, moderate amount of peril, very, like... Very much peril so far on this adventure.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, you've you the only uh, fight you've had is with those orcs and goblins, and uh, you know everything else you've just done, been exploring and avoiding traps, and you know all the normal dungeon delving stuff that you are now uh, getting used to as as uh, new adventurers. But uh, now you see a pile of treasure near uh, a body of water. In a purple cavern, the water has a, a natural green hue to it.
0: I will, I will call to Hilda. Hilda, be, I'm trying to be as quiet as I can, but still make it audible. Mm-hmm. Hilda,
3: what, what, what'd you Psst. find?
0: Psst. He like he's nodding his head towards the the room on the other side. Psst.
3: I'll leave the rancid pickle buckets and <laughs> go see what's going on.
2: All right, and you see the same thing. There is a pile of treasure near an unnatural green body of water in a uh, large chamber with odd purple stonework. Um, not, not bright purple, not phosphorant. It's not glowing. It's not providing you light, but there's just a weird hue to the stone and a weird hue to the water. Uh, and there is a winding staircase leading up and out of the dungeon. In this pile of treasure is a large gem some coins uh that uh are lying loose and and there's a cloak a large sword and a scroll
3: is there a smell in this room
2: hmm hmm give me a smell check roll me a d6 and uh, let's see what you what you smell i rolled a 2 okay uh that'll be a good smell check um you recognize a smell that reminds you of Rockholm lizards, strangely enough.
3: Hey, Leothard, this—do you smell that? Do you it smells just like those Rockholm lizards?
0: Oh, those were those disgusting creatures that kicked me and got my cloak dirty.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those.
2: Do I, in fact, smell that, Carl? Give me a D6 roll. <laughs> I rolled a one. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, that does smell somewhat reptilian.
0: Hmm. Interesting. You know what I would like to do? Mm hmm. I don't know if this will work, but mm-hmm. do I do I? Uh, well, let me ask first. Do I know that Rockholm Lizards probably wouldn't be here since we're not in Rockholm? Yeah, Home? there's
2: no way it's Rockholm Lizards. You both know okay. that there's no way it's Rockholm Lizards.
0: Hmm. It could be something far more sinister, Leothard says. I'm going to pull out my lyre Mm -hmm. and start strumming a chord. And I'm going to cast a sleep spell into the room.
2: Ah. Ah. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Roll 2d8. 12. Whoa. Okay. You have cast a sleep spell in the room. You've strummed on your lyre. What do you do now?
0: The sleep spell is a lullaby. That's, got that's it. what the song is. Got it. Got it. Can you can you hit me with that lullaby? Rockabye monsters in the dark room. Please do not kill me. We will leave soon. That's awesome. That's just.
3: Give us your treasure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it all.
2: And Rock down goodbye, will
3: come
0: monsters. monsters hiding up walls.
2: <laughs> the room seems fairly still. Nothing's changed really, but you've played a you've played a song, you've cast a spell. I I think the coast is clear.
3: Can I? A- after you. <laughs> Can I? I've, I've got your back. I take my ten foot pole, mm-hmm. and I kind of. Nudge around at the pile of treasure.
2: Sure. So you got to get at least I'm a gonna, ten
0: feet of it. I'm right. gonna draw my two handed sword.
2: Okay. So Leothard and Hilda both approach close enough to uh, utilize a ten foot pole. Leothard has his sword drawn. Hilda is currently holding the ten foot pole and so has no weapon drawn. Uh, but can <laughs> sure. draw it pretty fast. Um, now you reach forward with the 10 foot pole and poke at the treasure as soon as you do the water begins to stir bubble and move and a large green thinned serpent raises from the water Leothward is aware that he cast a sleep spell he's aware that it felt powerful and good so he is aware that this creature is too powerful to be put to sleep What do you Uh do? What do you do? There's a pile of treasure in front of you. There's an exit of a winding stair to the north, to the east of you. Right on the other side of that pile of treasure is a large, thinned serpent. Dragon-like in appearance, though you don't believe it to be exactly a dragon. It looks a little bit like an expressionist dragon.
3: Do we run?
2: (laughs) That is certainly an option. (laughs) <laughs> it, in my surprise,
0: Leothard shouts, By the Immortals! And then reaches to his hip, draws his dagger, and throws it at the uh, the dragon-esque okay. creature.
2: Okay. Uh, roll a d20. Uh, I got a six. Okay.
0: So I hit AC nothing.
2: I understand. The dagger uh, hits the creature and um, ineffectively slides off of its green, slimy skin and into the green pool of water.
3: Uh, I'll shoot an arrow at it. Okay. I drop my 10-foot pole and grab my crossbow and draw it, and I rolled an eight.
2: So uh, you you drop your 10-foot pole where it lands and uh, pull out your crossbow to take a shot, and uh, you uh, also... uh, hit the creature and also it ineffectively hits its green hide and slides down into the water. The crossbow boat as well as the dagger are now in the water. The creature starts to vibrate and hiss and it shoots you both with a breath weapon. I'll need a saving throw from both of you. So you'll both need to roll a D20. Alright. I got a, a four. I got a ten. That's unfortunate.
3: Is it too late to run?
2: <laughs> it shoots a strange mist of boiling hot vapor at you. Like, um, like it was like you were standing over a boiling pot. So this critter, whatever it is, dragon like in appearance has attacked you with a boiling hot mist and you each take five damage. Oh, no.
3: Leothard, let's... I'm going. Let's
0: get out of here. Uh, I'm, I'm right behind you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Hilda and Leothard, after ineffectively attacking this beast, whatever it may be, and being uh, successfully attacked by some sort of strange boiling mist, decide it's not worth the fight and run up the stairs as fast as they can and the creature starts pulling itself out of the water. Its serpentine body uh, is mobilized only by two small legs. And as it pulls towards you, you are climbing up the stairs. And as it pulls towards you, I want you both to give me a dexterity roll. You're trying to get out of here before this thing can close in on you. You're trying to roll lower than your dexterity, or equal to. I rolled a
0: two. I rolled a six.
2: All right. So the thing snaps at your heels, but you're able to get out of the precarious dungeon uh, before it gets to you. And uh, unfortunately, you weren't able to grab any of the treasure. And Hilda, you have lost your 10-foot pole. And uh, uh, having not observed the room of the orcs and goblins, there may be treasure there as well. But for the now, it is behind you. And you were in the out and open and ready to travel into Karamikos and seek more adventure. And that's it. That's it for today. Uh, Join us next week as we have more adventure with Hilda and Leothward. Well, unfortunately for Hilda and Leothward, they did not gain any treasure and they unfortunately lost some of their equipment. Their first adventure was not very successful. But join us next time and see what happens to our heroes on their next foray. Into Mokstara. The Savor Die
3: Podcast
0: is a production of Wild Games Production and it's produced for entertainment purposes only. The music used in the intro and outro is by tripod and used with permission. Be sure to visit the Savor Die crew at saverdie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to slash WGP.